Welcome to Pigskin Frenzy on this wonderful Thursday afternoon. Thank you for joining us. I'm Joel Norris, and whether you're watching on YouTube, listening on Spotify, listening on Podbean, or Apple, a big thank you for taking some time out of your Thursday to just sit back, watch, and listen to some NFL coverage presented by me. Now, if you're watching on YouTube, please subscribe to the channel, like each episode, leave comments down below. Spotify, Podbean, or Apple for listening on those platforms. Again, big thank you. Share around with others and follow on there as well. We have X, Instagram, and Facebook. All you got to do is just type in Pigskin Frenzy. Follow, like the pages there. You'll get episode updates. You'll get news and highlights from across college and NFL football. You'll get trivia questions on Instagram stories. Go and answer today's, as well as all things up to date for Pigskin Frenzy. NFL day today. And let me go on and tell you something. Halloween was Tuesday. The NFL went trick-or-treating, right? They went trickering, tricking, and they were treating with us with the NFL trade deadline. We're going to break down some of the moves that were made. Uh, some notable moves that didn't really surprise me. Some moves that kind of did surprise me. And we're going to talk about that. We're going to break down the trade deadline and the moves there. We're also going to you know, talk about what's going on off the field down in Las Vegas. You already know. You've already seen it. It was reported midnight. Wednesday uh, for those on the East Coast and Central Time uh, and late Tuesday evening uh, right after my Pigskin Frenzy episode, you know, dropped on that day. So for college football, so going out there in Las Vegas, you know, we're going to talk about what's going on out there. We're going to recap week eight and what was on the field. And we're going to look ahead to some of the games of week nine because there is some great football on this weekend. Let me go ahead and tell you something. Bengals, Bills. We're going to talk about the Dolphins and Chiefs. We're going to break down some of those games to be exact. So plug in the pigskin frenzy, strap in. We're locked and loaded for this episode. We are ready to roll. Keep plugging in all platforms, streaming everywhere, audio, video. We got it for you. And we're on the socials. Please plug in and follow on X, Instagram, and Facebook. Much supported because... You get content like what I just posted yesterday, and it was the latest frenzy playoff rankings for college football. So you're going to get a lot of content on there and just keep plugging in on X, especially that is where news and highlights from football come in. Okay. Let's just go right into Las Vegas because <laughs> we got to talk about this before we head to the trade deadline. Before we go to the, the uh, NFL recap for week eight, forgot to mention Injury report for Pigskin Frenzy for the NFL. Of course we're going to do that because why not, right? Why not? I feel bad, but it's you had to dedicate a whole segment to it. Las Vegas. Las Vegas. Remember when I said in the offseason that with Devontae, and this started with Devontae Adams, wide receiver for the Las Vegas Raiders, that if they do not do something now, this whole situation is going to escalate, okay, with Las Vegas. They do not try to establish a firm plan and direction for the offense because the offense looked a little sluggish last season. If they don't establish something during the preseason and training camp and going into this season, it's just going to get worse. Well, it got worse. <laughs> it got worse. The offense didn't look all that good. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo right now isn't panning out this so far for this team. And now Raiders owner Mark Davis has something to say about it. The news came out that Raiders head coach or, you know, Raiders head coach then Josh McDaniel has been let go by the team. 
GM Dave Ziegler has been let go by the team as well. So Mark Davis had let has let go Josh McDaniels and GM David Ziegler. They've both been fired. Offensive coordinator Mick Lombardi has also been let go. So three prominent figures for the Las Vegas Raiders organization. Before we get into that, and I'll get into the other news about the Raiders, a lot of news about the Las Vegas Raiders right now, but we're going to break it down. Before that, there have been team meetings going on with Devontae Adams and guys like Mason Crosby, star players speaking up, saying we don't want the, ter- the direction the team's going in. Now, it's one thing where you go, okay, I need to do my, I need to do the job. I need to regroup, get this team back on track, and figure out a way to change the and steer the ship. If you're a captain of a boat and the ship's not going in the way that you think it is, you got to steer the ship to the right path in the waters. And that's normally how coaching is. You got to steer the ship. There was no steer shipping. <laughs> that's a weird way of putting it. That's a weird. That's a weird way of putting it. But there's no steer. There's no steering towards the the right direction. They listened. It sounded like it went one ear and out the other. They lost another crucial game, and to the Lions and and the Lions. The final the final score of that was like 26-10. 26-10. They had no offensive direction, no firm game plan, and the Raiders were just kind of. Nah, the coaching staffs just they they heard they they heard what they were saying, but they didn't really fully listen. It went one ear and out the other. I can tell it went one ear and out the other because they lost to the lines like they did. Jimmy Garoppolo is in a lot of this maybe on him a little bit, but I think it's the direction of how he's being coached. And same with Devontae Adams. Guys like that on offense, Josh Jacobs to be included, do not really need that. Right? They don't need, they need to be, they want to win, not just that, yeah, make a living in the NFL, fine. But winning will start to become important, and it's now starting to become important for Adams. It is becoming important for Jacobs. It's becoming important, important for Max Crosby and guys like that on the team. They want to win. And Devontae Adams asked for a trade of scenery. They said no. <laughs> He's not, he, they're not moving him. Uh, they were kind of, you know, thinking, okay, you know, they're not listening to the players and giving in to the players' wants. They want to win. They're not changing, and it was time for another direction. You had to let McDaniels go. That is not saying that he's a, a bad guy and all that. I'm, not, I'm just strictly business. If you're not changing and you're not getting the right results and you're not willing to change, you got to let him go. And that's the best. That's the best way to put it. You got to let them go. They didn't steer the ship. Uh, they were they keeping on. They're they're going to keep on going in the direction they were going in. Okay, that's it. We got to part ways. We want to win. We want to compete against the the Kansas City Chiefs and the and the Chargers and the Broncos in the AFC West. Not only in the West, we want to compete in the AFC because we got some key players on our team that can help us compete in the AFC, and we're not doing that. So, got to let them go and change direction coach-wise. So, they fired offensive coordinator Mick Lombardi. They fired head coach Josh McDaniels. They fired GM David Ziegler. Now, other news, the Raiders, before we get to more coaching news for the Raiders, are benching quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo in favor of rookie quarterback Aiden O'Connell out of Purdue. That is... um, 
yeah, that is, that's wow, you know, uh, and that kind of took me by surprise. Aiden O'Connell is, just from my perspective, he's a solid quarterback, but I would also just like to point out maybe, maybe under a different coach, you may could turn back to Jimmy Garoppolo. I'm not saying Jimmy Garoppolo hasn't been playing the best. He has, he's not been playing the best, but what if this is all just coaching? Right? What if this is the wrong direction for coaching? And that's why Jimmy Garoppolo is playing like this. Because under Kyle Shanahan, he played pretty good. He led him to a Super Bowl. He's led him to conference championships. He, when he was with the Niners, there we go. Now he's with the Raiders. I, 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 it's just like there is, there's a difference, a difference factor to him. Now, the problem is with Jimmy Garoppolo, his health, and he does get injured. Um, he's, he's had a quite a few injuries this season. He's been beat up. But... Maybe under a different coach, he may can try to keep Garoppolo around and then steer the ship with him then. Now, there's no way the Raiders are going to get to the playoffs. Not this season, no. Uh, we got we to wait until next year to see what's going on in 2024 with Las Vegas, but there's they're not going to go to the playoffs. However, I, I'll just say this. I'll be very shocked if they make the playoffs. I don't think they're going to. I'll be very shocked if they do. Now, Aiden O'Connell, let's see if he writes the ship, and let's see how well he plays. He didn't do all that bad a few weeks back, um, but let's just see how he pl- keeps on playing and see how it goes. They are benching Jimmy Garoppolo for rookie Aiden O'Connell. The Raiders are now planning to name linebacker coach Ant- Antonio Pierce their interim head coach, and Raiders have named assistant GM Champ Kelly as their interim GM for full time. That's what's going on in Las Vegas. Who do you guys think is going to be the next coach and GM for the Las Vegas Raiders? There's some interesting names out there. We'll see, and we'll talk about that in the near future of some names and some guys who we think could potentially be on, you know, on the hunt for this Las Vegas Raiders opening. We'll probably dive into that next week. I'll get a list next Thursday to see who's going to be hired for this job. Now, we're probably going to wait until the offseason, obviously, but to see who it is, or after the season's over, or until after the playoffs over, because they, they really can't do that right now. But let's see. I'm going to give a list of names out next week on Pigskin Frenzy. I'll make it a segment, and we'll talk about some of the names who could be the next head coach for the Las Vegas Raiders. Now, moving on from the Las Vegas Raiders and going to the trade deadline. Now, what we're talking about here, so, trade deadline, tricking and treating, fun stuff. Always fun stuff. Deadline was Tuesday. I've been promoting and call, talking about it for the past couple of weeks. Now we're here. Some moves were made, and some interesting moves were made. Now, spoiler, and I'm just going to just break this down. Here's who was not traded, and that caught me a lot surprised. Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy were not traded. I was surprised by that. I thought they were going to, the Broncos were willing to try to start over and get rid of them, but Sunday's past game may have had a change of plans, and we will talk about the Broncos game against the Chiefs later on in the episode, but, but, or after this, after, after this, you know, segment, but, but, I was surprised that they didn't, they didn't trade them. Now, it probably could have something to do with that game, but who knows? They're staying around in Denver for the time being. Now, the moves that were made, the Giants 
traded defensive lineman Leonard Williams. Now, Leonard Williams, I expected him to be traded. Not to this team, though. The Giants have traded defensive lineman Leonard Williams to the Seahawks for a 2024 second-round pick and a 2025 fifth-round pick. Good trade for the Seahawks. Good pick there. They beef up their line once more. They signed Frank Clark. They're bringing him back to Seattle. Now they bring Leonard Williams into the fold. That defensive line is going to get even more you know, problematic for the offensive linemen who they're going to face each week. Seattle, looking solid. Not going to lie. They look solid. They had a good game against the, the Browns. We're going to talk about that in a minute also. Seattle beefing up their defensive line. They look good. And not only that, they're 5-2. and two. They're 5-2. and two. They got the Ravens Sunday. That's going to be a tough game. I was just looking at their schedule, pulling up their schedule. Uh, don't have the graphic up on there yet, but I'm saying they're playing the Ravens. So, Ravens, Seahawks, that's going to be an interesting game. That defensive line looks pretty problematic. Let's see what happens there. Adding Leonard Williams into the fold and, you know, adding some more of into that rotation of guys into that line, beefing up that line even more. Pretty good, I think. I, I think it's a good trade, good deal for the Seahawks there. The Cardinals trade quarterback Josh Dobbs after they said they were benching Josh Dobbs, the Cardinals did, in favor of rookie quarterback Clayton Toon. If Kyler Murray was a, it wasn't available, they're going to start Clayton Toon. They got rid. They got they, they traded Josh or they benched Josh Dobbs, and now they are trading him. The Cardinals have traded quarterback Josh Dobbs and a seventh round pick to the Vikings for a sixth round pick. Why did the Vikings? I'll have more on that later on in the show. The Commanders have traded. Defensive end, Montez Sweat to the Bears for a 2024 second-round pick. I saw that coming. I knew that the, that the, that the ownership group of the, the Washington Commanders uh, that involves Josh Harris and Mike Johnson were gonna are willing to you know clean up some areas of their team, especially on the line. They had some guys that there that they wanted to you know try to trade for and try to invest in for the future by getting some picks, and they did. Uh, Montez Sweat going to the Chicago Bears, adding some help to that defense and to that line. So the Bears pick up a good piece there with Montez Sweat. He brings agility, versatility, and he brings toughness to a to any offensive line that he's up against. So the Commanders trade, and this is the the biggest trade by far of the day. The Commanders have traded defensive end Chase Young to the 49ers for a third-round draft pick. Man, what a trade. The, the Niners are going to add up even more on their defense and defensive line with Randy Gregory now there, Nick Bosa. You got uh, Dre Greenlaw coming on the edge sometimes. You got now Chase Young along with Nick Bosa. Nick Bosa on one end, Chase Young on the other. The Niners are going to look tough coming off of that bye week with Chase Young now in San Francisco. That's going to be a good look there for the defensive line. He brings toughness, quickness, and he brings a lot of pressure to quarterbacks. So let's just see what Chase Young does to the Niners. Good, good trade there for the Niners. And now, one more one more quick one before we move on from the deadline. These are just the top moves for the deadline and some of the moves that happened. The Browns trade wide receiver Donovan Peoples-Jones for a 20-25 six-round pick 
to the Detroit Lions. The Lions released Marvin Jones after Marvin Jones was announced that he was stepping away from football for a little bit due to personal reasons. Thoughts and prayers are with Marvin Jones and hope he's, you know, doing well here at Pigskin Frenzy. So, Donovan Peoples-Jones to the Lions adds that missing piece of the receiving core for the Lions on offense. So the Lions look really good against the Las Vegas Raiders Monday night. Let's see what the Lions do from here on out, especially now that Donovan Peoples-Jones is there. Six-round pick for 2025. The Browns are invested, investing in their future. That was the top moves of the trade deadline. See, not a whole lot on the NFL trade deadline, but I just wanted to add, it, you know, add and cover some of what we were covering here online at Pigskin Frenzy. So that was the NFL trade deadline. And now we're 16 minutes in. We need to start getting going on our recap. So let's get going. Let's move to the football games. NFL Week 8 NFL recap, Bills and Buccaneers. Last Thursday night's football game, I said that it was going to be a lot closer. And I didn't think it was going to be, you know, it was a must win almost for both. They kind of needed a win. And I picked the Bills to win. And they did win. Final score, Bills 24, Buccaneers 18. Now, is this going to hurt, hurt the Buccaneers in the long run? Maybe not. Who's to really say, but maybe not. Let's see if the Buccaneers keep trying to right the like, I'm, I'm using the, the captain term again, right the ship, to see if they can get some more wins. Uh, I think the Falcons loss kind of hurt them a little bit, but let's see what happens moving forward for the Buccaneers. 24-18, Josh Allen 31 for 40 with 324 yards and two touchdowns. With one interception, he also had seven carries with one touchdown. James Cook, 14 carries with 67 yards. Khalil Shakur played pretty well in this ball game. Six receptions with 92 yards. Gabe Davis, nine receptions with 87 yards and a touchdown. Stephon Diggs, for the first time in a long time, did not have over 100-plus yards receiving. Nine receptions with 70 yards. Dalton Kincaid steps up in the tight end spot for Dawson Knox. He had five receptions with 65 yards and a touchdown. Dalton Kincaid, the Bills are really high on him. He played really well. They fed him the ball a lot. He works really well. And, and, you know, in block protection for uh, running when they run the ball. And Dalton Kincaid is, he's, they're really high on him up in Buffalo. Linebacker Terrell Bernard was the highlight for that defense with eight total tackles. Let's go with the Buccaneers really quick before we talk about the game. Baker Mayfield, 25 for 42 with 237 yards and two touchdowns. Three carries with 19 yards. Rashad White, nine carries with 39 yards. Seven receptions with 70 yards. Chris Godwin, five receptions with 54 yards and a touchdown. Mike Evans, three receptions with 39 yards and a touchdown. Cade Otten, their tight end, four receptions with 27 yards. And the defense played a little bit stingy with one interception, but it was also led by safety Ryan Neal with 13 total tackles. Now, this game, it was a game where I expected the Bills to win, but a little bit close. I didn't expect, I expected the Buccaneers to go in to Buffalo and play with their hearts. You know, just play passionate football, 50, there are 60 minutes of football all the way through. I, I thought Baker Mayfield played pretty well. He played pretty well. I didn't think I think it was a little bit back and forth. I think both defenses played really good. I just think in the end, Buffalo just got the better of them. They outmatched them in in, in a few areas. And excuse me. And perp there. Unprofessional. My apologies. And the Bills just outmatched them in one area. I think that one area, honestly was quarterback play. And, and and it's weird to say that when 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 you're saying oh Baker Mayfield played good. They did. 
But I think Josh Allen was the true piece in this. Josh Allen dipped it off to his receivers. Uh, he had one piece of protection with Dalton Kincaid in there, and I think Kincaid made a difference this game. I really did. I think Kincaid and Josh Allen playing better at quarterback made a big difference in this game in the end. Now, Baker Mayfield played lights out. He played pretty good football. But Josh Allen just played a tiny bit better to help them get the win and move on uh, to the Bengals that's coming up Sunday night on NBC. So uh, final score, Bills 24, Buccaneers 18. Nothing really much to say, but the Buccaneers are going to go back to the drawing board and see what's going on uh, this coming up Sunday. But the Bills rocking and rolling on their way to Cincinnati coming up Sunday night. 24-18, Bills defeat the Buccaneers. Jaguars and Steelers. I was 3-1 picking these games. I got this one wrong. This was the only one I got wrong. Final score, Jaguars 20, Steelers 10. I picked the Steelers to win this game. The Steelers did not. And I'm going to tell you what happened here in a little bit. Let's go with the stats. Trevor Lawrence, 24 for 32 with 292 yards and a touchdown with one interception. Travis Etienne, 24 carries with 79 yards and three receptions with 70 yards and a touchdown. Now, Evan Ingram... Played pretty ball, good ball, right? As usual. Evan Ingram, 10 receptions with 88 yards. Calvin Ridley, 6 receptions with 83 yards. Christian Kirk, 4 receptions with 46 yards. And the defense played solid by notching 2 takeaways and held the Steelers to only 70 rushing yards. Let's go with the Steelers really quick, and I'm going to get back to the game. Kenny Pickett, 10 for 16 with 73 yards, but he left the game due to rib injury, so he did not complete the game. Oh, no. Mitchell Trubisky, he comes in, 15 for 27 with 138 yards. Touchdown with two interceptions with three carries and 18 yards. Jalen Warren, five carries with 19 yards, four receptions with 19 yards. Najee Harris, seven carries with 13 yards, five receptions with 42 yards. Deontay Johnson, eight receptions with 85 yards. Connor Hayward, five receptions with 24 yards. He takes over for the injured Pat Ferrymuth. And George Pickens caught a 22-yard touchdown. The defense gave it their all. They even notched an interception, but in the end, the Jaguars just proved to be a little bit too much. But I'm going to tell you what, linebacker Cole Holcomb, he led the night in tackles with 11 total tackles. So, Steelers-Jaguars. Here's what made the difference. The Steelers couldn't create those explosive plays. I think that's what got the ja- That's what got the Steelers. The Jaguars played pretty well. Um, they played bo- on, well on both sides of the ball. Trevor Lawrence played a good game. ETN always playing a good game, along with Evan Ingram. And their defense was pretty stingy. The Jaguars are a team I would look out for, especially in the South. I know that. But the Jaguars, not only in the South, but in the AFC, they are playing some pretty salty football right now. I know that's a term that the modern kids use. I'm 23 years old, guys. I'm 23. So the Jaguars look pretty solid. They do. They look like a solid football team. They, honestly, are doing some things that uh, most teams aren't really doing that well. I think they're throwing the ball pretty consistently. I think that the run game with Travis Etienne, you add that into the mix. Uh, You got some underrated weapons with Evan Ingram, Calvin Ridley, and Christian Kirk. They just look good. And on defense, with, with guys like Devin Lloyd, you got guys on that team who are Darius Johnson. You got guys on there that are pretty solid. So in the secondary in the linebacker spot and in the defensive line with uh, Tavon Walker. You got guys like that playing their hearts out for the Jacksonville Jaguars. So in my honest thoughts, on my honest thoughts, 
Jaguars look pretty solid. Six and two. They have built themselves up from where they were a few time, a few years back. Picking Trevor Lawrence at one and then picking Tavon Walker at one. I mean, it's just... It's unbelievable to see, you know, it's, it's, it's a shocker almost that Jacksonville is six and two entering week nine of NFL play. And it's pretty, it's pretty remarkable. Honestly, uh, I'm really high on the Jaguars right now. I think they're a team to prepare for and play. So uh, just watch out for them. I'm still high on the Steelers. I think what happened was due to the injury. They just couldn't get anything going when it came to a rhythm on offense. Now, Mitchell Trubisky tried his best. He did. He threw he threw a 22-yard bomb to George Pickens for a touchdown. They tried to get stuff going on the ground, but they just couldn't because the Jaguars' defense kind of read into it a little bit. They couldn't create the explosiveness on offense to get things going, and that's why it was a 20-10 score, and it went to the Jaguars' favor. Final score, Jaguars 20, Steelers 10. Uh, Steelers have a game Thursday night. We're going to talk about that here in just a little bit. Jaguars are going to keep on rolling. They're going to keep on rolling. They they look pretty solid. So we'll see what happens with them coming up Sunday. Seattle and Cleveland. I talked about this game. I said that what has to happen is both teams have got to try to impress on the defensive line and cause a little bit of chaos. Um, surprisingly, it was more on the offensive side of things, which was pretty good. I, I like seeing that. I like to be proven wrong on that, and I was. Uh, it was more on the offense, but I was right on the pick. No, De- no Deshaun Watson. I'm picking Seattle, and I got it right. Final score, Seahawks 24, Browns 20. Geno Smith, iffy, a little bit iffy stats, but here, but here, here's, here's the thing. Geno Smith, 22 for 37 with 254 yards, two touchdowns, and two interceptions. Kenneth Walker, eight carries with 66 yards. Zach Charbonnet, five carries with 53 yards. Jake Bobo, three-yard touchdown run. Tyler Lockett, eight receptions with 81 yards and a touchdown. DK Metcalf, five receptions with 67 yards. Jackson Smith, Ninjimba, Three receptions with 36 yards and a touchdown. Game-winning touchdown, by the way. We're going to talk about that in a minute. And the defense made some good stands against the Browns, led by safety Quandre Diggs with nine total tackles and Jamal Adams with eight total tackles. P.J. Walker for the Browns, 15 for 31 with 248 yards and a touchdown with two interceptions, six carries with 27 yards. Did not play all that bad for the Browns. He, He made some good decisions, some that he didn't make some good decisions on due to the two interceptions, but he played and he played hard in filling in for Deshaun Watson. Kareem Hunt, welcome back, Kareem Hunt, his second stint with the Cleveland Browns. 14 carries, 50, 14 carries with 55 yards and a touchdown. Talking too fast here. Hold on. Let me get fumbled up with my words here. Going on with some more stats, if I can get this paper to. There we go. Here we go. Paper reading, guys. Paper reading with notes. Anyway, Pierre Strong, 10 carries with 41 yards. Jerome Ford, 9 carries with 37 yards. Amari Cooper, 6 receptions with 89 yards, 41 reception as well. Uh, David Njoko, 4 receptions with 77 yards and a touchdown. By the way, and I'm going to stop here before I go to the defense. David Njoko, one of the most underrated tight ends in the league, just my thoughts. Take that to the bank if you want to. The defense play also played pretty stingy with safety 
Juan Thornhill notching six tackles. Defensive back Martin Emerson Jr. notching six total tackles and an interception. And even the big man, defensive lineman Maurice Hunt Hurst the third or the second with an interception. That defensive line is salty. That's a good defensive line to play up against. The Browns, in reality, in some of these games, if they would have gone their way, would probably be 6-2 and two where the Jaguars are. They are not a bad football team. That is a good football team that the Seattle Seahawks beat. That's what makes it even more impressive. I think the injury with Deshaun Watson kind of hurts them a little bit on offense, but P.J. Walker has given it everything he has for the Browns. I think the running game is a little bit Better now with Kareem Hunt back in the fall. Jerome Ford a little bit banged up with his ankle, but he still played Sunday. Pierre Strong Jr., he's helping out, carrying the rock a little bit. I think the injuries with Nick Chubb did hurt the running game a little bit for a time being there, but you got three guys there that can carry the, the load while Chubb is out for the year and expected to return next year. Now, Deshaun Watson, there's no update on him, really, on when he will return, but he did practice today, which was good. So we'll see what happens with the Browns. They played pretty, they played, they, they, they played hard, and they played with a lot of intensity, but they just couldn't get it done in the end. Seattle scored late, a game winner by Jackson Smith Njimba, the rookie out of Ohio State. A little slip pass to Njimba, Touchdown for the Seattle Seahawks, making it 24-20. And then Seattle just stopped them to end the game. So Seattle looks really good. Uh, I think a little bit of questioning is going on Geno Smith a little bit. Uh, He's playing okay, but he's not playing up to his potential. I want to see Geno Smith play a little bit up to the potential that I know that he can play at like he did last year. And then let's see what happens with Seattle going forward. They're 5-2. They're 5-2. I mean, they, and and I'm going to get to that, what, what's going on in the minute in the NFC West, but they look pretty solid, man. They look like they're going to, they could, they could challenge the San Francisco 49ers if they wanted to, have yet to play them. I think they, you know, they, I think they have yet to play them. If I'm not mistaken, now it's making me want to look on my phone to see if they have played the 49ers, but Seattle, a good football team, only lost two games. Have only lost two games, have yet to play the 49ers. That's going to be an interesting and underrated game when when the time comes. They're going to play them. So, when the time comes, we'll talk about it because that's going to be an interesting game. Seattle looks good in the run game, of course. They look good on the defensive line. My only question is, what's Geno Smith going to do? And can Geno Smith elevate himself up to lead this team to the playoffs? So, final score, 24-20. Seattle beats a pretty solid Browns team. Let's see what happens with the Seattle Seahawks. They have a they have a good game coming up Sunday. They have the Ravens Sunday. The Browns, as I look on my uh, on my phone here, unprofessional of me, they have the Cardinals. So we'll see what happens there when, you know, with the Cardinals, Browns, and we'll see what happens with Seattle and Baltimore. Moving on, San Francisco and Cincinnati. Bengals and Niners. I said this was about, and this is the last game before we, you know, move on to our, well, not really, actually, because I have a surprise for you guys. Just wait. See, I'm full. See, I'm just going off right now. I'm full of surprises. Okay, Bengals, Niners. I said this game was going to be controlled by the perimeter uh, line of scrimmage. Bengals needed to play physical football, and so did the Niners. But the one thing I was concerned about was the 
with the uncertainty of that, Trent Williams was not in the game. Trent Williams was not playing. No Debo, no Trent Williams. And Trent Williams means a great deal to this offensive line, especially to Brock Purdy. I got that pick right. Final score, Bengals 31, 49ers 17. Bengals 31, 49ers 17. Man, what a game. And not only just what a game, what a game for the Bengals. They played lights out. Bengals were a little bit beat up, and I should have mentioned that before. I just really... I really just slipped my mind, I guess. I, I have those moments. Uh, the Bengals were a little bit beat up, but now they're fully healthy and ready to go. And by fully healthy, I mean Joe Burrow is fully healthy. Uh-oh. When you do that, and when you have a fully healthy Joe Burrow who could run around, scramble around, and make some good passes and good throws, uh-oh. Uh, you're in trouble, man. Give him some time to develop. Give him some time on the line play physical football and give Joe Burrow time to make things happen. It's it's tough to beat. Happen Sunday. Joe Burrow, ladies and gentlemen, 28 for 32 with 283 yards and three touchdowns, six carries with 43 yards. Joe Mixon, 16 carries with 87 yards and a touchdown. He's back and he's fully healthy as well. Jamar Chase, 7-11 as he calls himself, always open on Sundays. It proved to be a factor here. 10 receptions with 100 yards and a touchdown. T. Higgins, five receptions with 69 yards. Thought they were going to try to trade him during the deadline, but no, he remains put in Cincinnati. Tyler Boyd, set three receptions with 40 yards and a touchdown. Irv Smith Jr., four receptions with 25 yards. And the defense... Got to the Niners. Got, the defense got to the Niners' offense the whole game, with led by linebacker Logan Wilson with 11 total tackles, an interception, and linebacker Jermaine Pratt with five total tackles and an interception. Go to the Niners really quick before we go. You know, talk about this game a little bit more. Brock Purdy, 22 for 31 with 365 yards and a touchdown with two interceptions, six carries with 57 yards. Christian McCaffrey, 12 carries with 54 yards and a touchdown. He also had six receptions with 64 yards and a touchdown. George Kittle, nine receptions with 149 yards. Brandon Ayuk, five receptions with 109 yards. And the defense played pretty well. They just got outmatched there in the second half. So, let's go with the Niners really quick before we go to the Bengals. The Niners. Here is the reason why, and I want to sit here and say why, Trent Williams matters. Sacks, not only sacks, protection, and playing physical football. He brings this, and I'm trying to pick up my pen here as I'm, you know, trying to, Trying to go for my pen here. I apologize. Again, being unprofessional here at Pigskin Frenzy. But Trent Williams matters because of the physicalness of the game, right? It matters. It, it truly does matter. He, he is a big component of pass protection, and they did not have that. They were lacking that. Sam Hubbard got to him with sacks. Logan Wilson got to him. Jermaine Pratt got to him. The defensive backs got to him. They were pressuring him all game long, and they were playing more physical football. When you think, honestly, and just going into this game, that the Bengals were going to outmatch them on the line of scrimmage, you would think that's going to be tough because the who the Niners got on the defensive, on the defensive front and, and on the offensive line, 
led by Trent Williams. They didn't. They had no Trent Williams. And the offensive line for the Bengals blocked. They blocked and protected Joe Burrow, and Joe Burrow had time to develop plays. The Niners are a team that are extremely beat up, and a bye week is needed. Now, coming off the bye week, they're going to, they're going to evaluate some of these players. They're going to evaluate some of these players like Debo Samuel, like Trent Williams, and we're going to see where they go from here as I am on my cellular device. The 49ers, next game up is a tough game. They got to go to Jacksonville on November 12th. That is a game right there that I'm going to keep my eye on. They have, the Jaguars are a pretty solid football team. The Niners have lost three straight. Let's see if they can get these guys back and healthy and ready to go. Brock Purdy, had a concuss- had he was slightly concussed after the Vikings game. He passed protocol but barely and ended up playing the, the the Bengals game. He got hit and got hit pretty hard and hasn't looked all that impressive after that that hit against the Vikings, but hasn't looked all that impressive in the Vikings game in the second half. So we'll see what happens with the 49ers after their bye week. They got their third straight loss handed to them. The Cincinnati Bengals. <laughs> Fully healthy, played physical football. They need to keep doing that. And my goodness, that duo, man, Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. Joe Burrow played lights out. He completed 87% of his passes. 87% of his passes. That's unbelievable. You're going to win. the. Of course you're going to win the game. You completed 87% of your passes. That leads to scores. The Bengals played good football, and they played winning football. They won on the line of scrimmage. They gave their quarterback time to develop plays, make plays happen, and Jamar Chase, Mr. 7-11, as he calls himself, always open on Sundays, played a big factor in this win. They played good, and if the Bengals keep looking like this, you might as well have a playoff spot already selling up for them because it's going to be hard to beat the Cincinnati Bengals with Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase clicking and that offensive line protecting him. If they look like this, let's see what happens Sunday. Going to be a good one going Sunday night. Joe Burrow is back, and the Bengals look like they're on their way back too. Final score, Bengals 31, 49ers 17. Let's just wait, and let's hold our horses on what's going on and who's the best in the league right now. Because you got a lot of them. The Niners are still in it. But right now, the Bengals are making their claim to come back into the fold here. Before we go to the to the injury report and the Week 10 preview and predictions, let's talk about this upset. And I wanted to recap one more game, and it is a big upset that just happened. And I said I was going to talk about it, and here's my surprise for you. One more game to talk about Week 9, that Week 8 with, before we go to Week 9 preview and predictions. The Broncos and the Chiefs. We got to talk about it. We have to talk about it. So Saturday night, Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes, Chiefs quarterback, was feeling a little ill. He was dehydrated, and he was, and, he, and it was turned out he came down with the flu. He had to get IVs in Saturday night, and he had to get IVs Sunday before the game. He was feeling unwell. He looked white as a ghost, honestly. He he did not look like he was feeling all that great and well. He had the flu. Uh, wasn't feeling pretty good at all. But he decided to play. They added it. They, the league, they reported it to the league. They did report it to the league. They're not pulling a B. John Robinson situation. They reported it to the league. But he still played. 
he played, and, uh, well, it turns out it didn't work out in their favor. Final score, Broncos 24, Chiefs 9. The first time in eight years since the Broncos have defeated the Kansas City Chiefs. It has been since 2015 since the Denver Broncos defeated Kansas City. When Peyton Manning was starting for Denver and Alex Smith was starting for Kansas City, that's how long it's been since the Broncos got a win over the Chiefs. And they did. They got a win over the Chiefs. Broncos 24, Chiefs 9, shocker in Denver. Russell Wilson, 12 for 19 with 114 yards and three touchdowns, eight carries with 30 yards. What would you guys think if I told you that Russell Wilson actually had the same amount of touchdown numbers that Patrick Mahomes did? With, when it comes to touchdown and interception numbers, sort of sort of a similar stat line, a little bit behind Patrick Mahomes currently in the league. What would you guys think if I told you that? Probably wouldn't believe me because no one's talking about it. Russell Wilson, on paper, has actually been playing a lot better than most people have thought and have been playing a little bit better than, actually a lot better than last year. Javante Williams running back for the Broncos, 27 carries with 85 yards, three receptions with 13 yards and a touchdown. Jaleel McLaughlin, four carries with 33 yards. Jerry Judy, two receptions with 50 yards and a touchdown. Cortland Sutton, two receptions with 29 yards and a touchdown. And the defense was just all over the Chiefs offense. Notching two interceptions from uh, one from defensive back Jaquan McMillan and one from Justin Simmons, as well as linebacker Alex Singleton racking up seven total tackles. Let's go to the Chiefs stats before we talk about the game. Patrick Mahomes, 24 for 38 with 241 yards and two interceptions, three carries with 220 yards. To be sick like that and to throw for 241 yards at least is unbelievable, by the way. Mahomes, just impressive. Isaiah Pacheco, eight carries with 40 yards. Travis Kelsey, no Taylor Swift, flu game for Mahomes, six receptions with 58 yards. Rasheed Rice, four receptions with 56 yards. Justin Watson, two receptions with 42 yards. You guys are seeing a pattern. Marquez Valdez-Scantling, two receptions with 27 yards. The defense had some highlights, but not enough to win the game overall. Drew Tranquil, the linebacker, played a solid game, though. 11 total tackles and one sack to Russell Wilson. The Chiefs looked a little bit out of sync because their playmaker was out of sync, and that's all it was. If Mahomes goes down, I feel like it's a whole team goes down situation. If Mahomes goes down, the Chiefs are going to go down with him. And it's a factor. It's, it's, it's a factor. When Mahomes doesn't click it offensively, who is, who, who is going to help him click offensively? You got to get Blaine Gabbard in there, most likely. But Mahomes is... He's he's just a playmaker. He's the difference maker of that team. And if you don't have your 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 leader on your team, and you don't have the 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 best quarterback in the league on your team right now, who's not feeling well, and he's playing, you know, eh, you're probably not going to win the ball game. And that's just being honest. You're not going to win the ball game. The Broncos look good. Probably the best they've looked all season. Uh, they, they, and by the way, I'm just going to sit here and say this back to back wins. In fact, this is impressive from the Broncos Two back to back wins. They beat the Packers and they turn around and beat the chiefs. 
back-to-back wins, two-game winning streak for the Broncos. This is the best. This is the best the Broncos have looked in quite some time in the past two weeks. They look good throwing. They look good throwing the ball and laying out some dimes to Cortland Sutton and to the receivers. Russell Wilson's looking good. Uh, let's see what the defense does from here on out. They look a little bit. Like they need some help on defense. I mean, Josie Jules playing good ball, but let's see what happens uh, on the front and let's see what happens to the defense overall for the Broncos. But the offense for the Broncos has looked good the past two weeks. Let's see if the Broncos can keep it up and try to get themselves out of this, you know, out of this funk and probably raise their draft numbers up. So let's see what happens there. For the Chiefs, just one bad game. It just all it took for one bad game for the Broncos to pull off the upset and the Chiefs had that bad game. Could they afford that Sunday? Let's see. They got to go to Germany Sunday, international game against Miami. We're going to talk about that here in a little bit. Let's just see what happens there. Final score, 24-9. Broncos upset and defeat the Chiefs for the first time in eight years. Big win for the Broncos. They've looked good for the past two weeks. Let's see what Denver does. Kansas City, let's see what happens and see if they kind of get their groove back Sunday in Germany against the Dolphins. That was the week nine, re, uh, the week eight recap of the NFL. I'm talking like this is college football. The week eight NFL recap. Let's go with a pigskin frenzy injury report before we preview and predict week nine of the NFL. Basic stuff, not too much of the injury report here, but one big injury. And we're going to talk about it in a minute. Cardinals quarterback Kyler Murray. Recovering from his torn ACL, could play Sunday versus the Browns. If not, however, Clayton Toon, rookie quarterback, will start. Giants quarterback Daniel Jones will play versus the Raiders Sunday after missing the past few games with a neck injury. This is some good news for the Giants. They get the, a big piece of their, I mean, the big piece of their offense back with Daniel Jones. And let's see how he does. And let's see if he's going to be a little bit more limited when he plays Sunday against this Raiders defense. This rejuvenated Raiders team heading into Sunday now that McDaniels and a lot of them are gone now. So Steelers quarterback Kenny Pickett, he left the game Sunday versus the Jaguars with a rib injury. He has announced that he will play tonight versus the Titans. He will play tonight versus the Titans on Amazon Prime. Titans quarterback on the other end, Ryan Tannehill, he is out again with an ankle injury. Quarterback Will Levis will make his second NFL start. And let me go on and tell you about Will Levis. He played phenomenal against the Falcons last week. Four touchdowns in his first NFL game. Four touchdowns in his first NFL game. Unbelievable. Let's see what Will Levis does for the Titans tonight. He will play in a hostile environment in Pittsburgh. Let's see what happens. And there is no update on Browns quarterback Deshaun Watson, even though he has practiced, and when he will return. So I'll give you an update on socials, on X mainly, when you know there's any more updates on Browns quarterback Deshaun Watson. Now, big one. To conclude the injury report, and before we go to the Week 9 preview and predictions, Vikings quarterback Kirk Cousins. During the game, he went down with a no-contact ankle injury. It was confirmed that he did indeed, Monday, he tore his Achilles, and he is out for the remainder of the season. That is why Josh Dobbs' trade is so important, because you get another quarterback who has been playing currently in there to replace your main guy that went down, Justin Jefferson, they're going to need somebody to throw. He's going to need somebody to throw to him when he comes back in, in, in within near next week or in two weeks when Justin Jefferson is off of IR due to that hamstring injury. Josh Dobbs now in Minnesota. Let's see what happens here. Uh, 
with the Vikings, and let's see about the quarterback situation coming up here shortly. I'll give you updates on the quarterback situation with Minnesota. Kirk Cousins is out for the season after tearing his Achilles in a win over the Packers. Will this be his final game with the Minnesota? Going down like that because we don't know since he was an, he will become an uh, an unrestricted free agent coming up this offseason. So we'll see what happens with Kirk Cousins and we will see what happens with the Vikings moving forward. Kirk Cousins out for the season after tearing his Achilles in a win over the Packers. Solid quarterback too, Kirk Cousins ends. He's been playing lights out. He played a lights out game against the Niners last week, and it's uh, very unfortunate for this to happen. Thoughts and prayers go out to everybody on this list, and go out to Kirk Cousins after tearing his Achilles uh, in a game against the Packers. Thoughts and prayers for a speedy recovery to Kirk Cousins. Now, that was the injury report. Week 9 preview and predictions coming up to conclude today's episode of Pigskin Frenzy. Now, tonight's game. Titans at Steelers. Titans are three and four. Steelers are five and or four and three. Now, big time game for both. Uh, I would. I, I'm in a it's like it's a, it's a situation now, really, where the Titans probably need to win a little bit, and the Steelers don't need to lose. If that makes sense, that sounds weird. They both need to win a little bit. Um, and the Titans are coming in hot after a win against the Falcons. The Steelers are trying to figure, you know, figure some stuff out after what happened to the Jack against the Jacksonville Jaguars and a loss there last week. The keys to this game, pretty simple. I think for the Titans, Will Levis just needs to have another game like he did against the Falcons. If he throws for four touchdowns, I think you're in trouble. Will Levis pre- presents an incredible uh down the field stretch. Uh against this against you know any defense he he presented it against the Falcons I'm pretty sure the Steelers have been taking note of that and watching film on him he presents an incredible threat when he just you know looks downfield and finds an open man and, find, and finds you know pieces on the open field that he can capitalize on and that's what makes Will Levis a good a good and solid quarterback. So if he has another game like he did against the Falcons by just tossing and dropping four touchdowns, this could be a, a Titans victory. Now, the key to the Steelers' victory, it's established the running game with Najee Harris and Jalen Warren. Warren. They didn't do that much against the Jaguars' defense, but this is a, but this is a Titans' defense that has a little bit more, let me just say, openness to it, and they struggle a little bit when it comes to the run game on run defense. They are... 17th in rushing defense. 107.4 yards a game for the Titans that they allow on the ground. That's a key note right there. If they establish the run game and, and get and get around that mark or get over that mark, I think the Steelers can present a good challenge and pr- pr- do enough to probably win this ball game tonight. Who wins? Prime football game, Thursday night football on Amazon Prime with Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreit on the call. Who wins this? Close game. I think the defensive line for the Steelers kind of pressure Will Levis a little bit, especially T.J. Watt. I think they established the run game a little bit, and I think the Steelers end this game and win this game against the Titans. Steelers, they move to 5-3. and three. Titans go to 3-5. and five. Steelers, 27. Titans, 17. I think it's going to be a 10-score uh, game. Steelers, 27. Titans, 17 to win and Head in to, you know, kick off a week nine here on Thursday Night Football tonight on Prime. Steelers 27, Titans 17. Now, moving on to some of these other games to conclude. Dolphins versus Chiefs in Germany. I am looking forward to this one. I'm excited about it. Let's see what happens here. 8 a.m. 
or 9 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Central Time, Sunday morning. Dolphins versus the Chiefs, both 6-2. and two, Very high-scoring game that I feel like it could be a very offensive style of game here. Two keys and a question. Dolphins just really need to start fast. I, I think the Dolphins just really need to start white hot, uh, run the ball a little bit uh, with Raheem Mostert, find the open matchups with Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell, Start fast, play fast on offense, and that could be a good way to win the ball game. Now for the Chiefs, the secondary is going to come into play for this one, I think. It's, it's going to be an offensive game still, but the secondary needs to find a way to get some stops and to make some con- in containment on those Dolphins wide receivers to contain Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell. Let's see what the, if the Chiefs can do it and if, Mc, if Trent McDuffie and Mike, and Mike Warner, if, if they're on for that, right? If if guys like Trent McDuffie are, you know, for it and Legarius Sneed are, you know, up for the challenge, let's see what happens there against Hill and Waddle. Big question for this game, will Patrick Mahomes be more, will he feel more healthy? Like, will Mahomes feel more healthy than he did last week? With the flu, that kind of, it kind of shook him a little bit, right? He looked off, Per usual, right? A lot of people with the flu are not going to play to their their best game. They're going to make bad decisions. They're going to feel a little off. But he still threw for 241 yards with the flu, okay? So he played, he played well in that area. Will Mahomes feel a little bit more healthy than he did last week? That's a big question. I think this game is going to be close. I think Mahomes is, is probably going to be a little bit better coming into this week. I think it's going to be a close game, back and forth. In the end, I think Kansas City does enough to get the win here. Give me the Chiefs. I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be a little bit high scoring. I think it's going to be a 38-31 victory. Chiefs 38, Dolphins 31. Chiefs go to 7-2. Dolphins go to 6-3 in Germany. And the Chiefs get the victory over the Dolphins. 38-31, Kansas City defeats the Dolphins right now. Even though I'm still high on the Dolphins, I still think they're going to make the playoffs. I am just, I'm kind of thinking that the Chiefs are going to pull away with this one. 38-31, Kansas City. Cowboys at Eagles. 5-2 Cowboys, Eagles 7-1. Afternoon game, two key questions, two key things here. And a question also. Find a way to cause turnovers. If you're the Cowboys defense, you're going to find a way for Jalen Hurts to play like he did against the Jets and get turnovers, fumble the ball, interceptions, because you guys have a top-scoring defense in the NFL, and you score a lot of your points on defense. So find a way to cause confusion and pressure him and making him make it into errors and turning the ball over. That's how you will win this ball game against the Eagles. For the Eagles... It's the flip side. You protect the football. You stop the you you try to, 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 to stop this defense and to protect the football and to not cause turnovers and to not give in to the in the Cowboys defense. And if you do that, you'll have good ball security and you find open matchups with AJ Brown and Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard. You got this and you could probably go eight and one Sunday. Tough game, though. Tough game. And big question is there's been rumors about Jalen Hurts and his knee. How healthy is Jalen Hurts? Hurts going to be Sunday. He's been wearing a knee brace. Let's see how it's been going on. He's he's expected to play, obviously, and he's been looking fine in practice, but there's been some rumors that he's been playing hurt. 
how will that affect this game against a solid and a top Cowboys defense? They asked him yesterday, is there any updates? Is there anything going on with your knee? I was going to ask you about it. He smiled and walked out of the press conference. He did not want to talk about it. So we don't know. We don't know what's been going on. He's going to still play for this team. Let's see what Jalen Hurts does. I think this game is going to be close. I think it's going to be a game where you look at where you look at the scoreboard and it's going to be probably either one score or tied even at you know in the remaining minutes of the game. I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be a little bit low scoring, not too, about to be in the 20s. I think the Eagles get it done, though. I think they pull away late, they score late, and find a way to win late. Eagles 28, Cowboys 21. Eagles go to 8-1, and one, Cowboys go to 5-3. 28-21, giving the Eagles to defeat the Cowboys Sunday. Final game. And we will conclude today's episode of Pigskin Frenzy. Bills at Bengals. Bills 5-3 and three at the Bengals 4-3. and three. Woo! Sunday night football, ladies and gentlemen. Prime time. This is not going to get any better than this. I, I, this is a good game. Rematch from last year's playoff game that was snowing in Buffalo. Bengals won that one by a score of two scores. Keys to this game and a question, obviously. Bengals need to keep playing uh, you need to keep playing physical. They need to keep being more physical and just be the more physical team. They were more physical and they outmanned the 49ers. And the 49ers are one of the most physical teams and one of the best teams in the league. They outmanned them in San Francisco, in Santa Clara, California. They went to Levi Stadium and outmanned them there. They need to be to be more physical team. The Bills defensive line needs to beat out the Bengals O-line and cause errors. So if the line crumbles if they just crumble the offensive line that's fine they're good everything's good they just crumble the line and make sure that they get sacks and cause errors for joe burrow they need to beat the offensive line it's mainly a physical and pretty much a perimeter game also who plays better at quarterback that's the main question for both teams who's going to play better at quarterback because you got josh allen who's been playing pretty well had some inconsistent moments but hasn't pretty pretty well, you know, been playing pretty well starting right here, you know, going into week nine. And Joe Burrow finally finding his stride once more, fully healthy, back to playing how Joe Burrow has been playing. Going to be a close game. I honestly, it could be a flip a coin, but home field advantage. They play coming off of a strong win last week. Give me the Cincinnati Bengals to defeat the Bills. The Bengals beat the Bills by a score of 34 to 31. Bengals 34, Bills 31 by field goal. 34-31. Bengals win this one. Bills go to five and four. Bengals go to five and three in a very tough win for the Cincinnati Bengals over the Buffalo Bills. That just about does it for Pigskin Frenzy. A big thank you for taking some time out of your Thursday to just sit back, watch, and listen to some NFL coverage presented by me. Now, if you're watching on YouTube, please subscribe to the channel. Like each episode. Leave comments down below. Spotify, Apple, and Podbean, you know what to do. Share around with others and follow on there as well. X, Instagram, and Facebook. Just type in Pigskin Frenzy. Follow all the pages there. You'll get content episode updates, uh, news and highlights from across college and football, college and NFL football. You'll get trivia questions on Instagram. Go and answer today's as well as all things up to date for pigskin frenzy. Big thank you for everybody listening once again today. Tune in to football this weekend. We got some great games on for college and NFL. It is statement Saturday. 
a pretty big statement Sunday coming up for the NFL. Enjoy this weekend, and we will see you Tuesday as we get uh, Week 11 frenzy playoff rankings started, and we'll recap Week 10 and go into Week 11 for the top matchups in college football. Until Tuesday, I'm Joel Norris signing off, and for everybody out there, stay the course.